there's a, a wonderful understanding that we all need as we do this, and it's real simple. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we operate on a different level. That's why Jesus, when he was teaching, he would teach often in a parable, and he would say that it takes something special to understand the real meaning of the story. I'll give you some definitions here. A simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Another way of saying that is an, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In other words, Jesus would tell a story just like the one today of the, the talents. And in that story, there would be this, if you want to call it, a hidden meaning that relates to this kingdom of God or the spiritual life and relationship that we have in our intimacy with him. And so in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14, I'm going to get to that in a minute, we have this incredible story of stewardship. Now, we didn't name it that. We named it today the parable of the talents because that's actually what it is. But I want you to understand the word talent here is not the same as your abilities or your gifts. This was actually a form of measurement and a form of pay. And so when it talks about the talents here, it's talking about money. And so it does have an application for money, but it also has, as I said, that spiritual meaning. And so the fun's going to be over the next few weeks as we do this, of looking at those parables in the Bible that many of us have known, hopefully for a long time, and realizing there's just that deeper meaning that God instilled in that truth as he presented it in his word and as Jesus particularly did in his teaching. For it's just like a man. In other words, I'm starting in the middle of something, you can tell that. For it's just like a man. In other words, he says, I've already said some stuff and, and all these things relate to the kingdom of God. And all these things are parables and you'll see how those come out as we do this in time. So we're not doing it sequentially. We're just doing them as we feel like the Holy Spirit would lead. And this was mine. I felt like for us to do this week. First, just like a man about to go on a journey. Seems like a nice story. Some guy's going to take a trip, right? We've had some folks who took trips this week. That's why they're not here today, right? who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Now, probably first out the gate is there's a word in here that we don't particularly appreciate or even associate with, and that's the word slave. So if it helps you any, those who work for him, if that makes it any better, it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his workers and he entrusted to them his possessions. To one he gave five talents. Remember, this is measurement now, it's not your ability. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Now I want you to get this. If you haven't underscored this in your Bible or on your device, each according to his own ability, and then he went on his journey. Now we can have different responses to God's word. And so when the word says that this man going on this journey gave to his workers according to their ability, the first thing that we have to realize is everything is not created equal. It's just not. 
whether we like it or not, is not. And so as we look at what is it that this owner, this landowner, this employer could see in his workers that helped him understand this one can handle this, and this one can handle this, and this one can handle this. Now, typically, it's based on, I don't like to use the word, but it's based on performance. It's based on how you do it. And you'll see as this story unfolds how very real that is. Look what it says. Immediately the one that had received the five talents went out, traded with them, and gained five more talents. This guy is a go-getter. He, the master trusted me with five talents. Oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something with this. And he does. He does it immediately. And the same matter, in the same matter, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. Same thing. Again, a little different level, but same thing. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. Now, in case you don't know, it was a common practice in that particular time for people to dig a hole and put something of value to conceal it, to hide it, so that no one could get it. That was not uncommon. However, as time goes on, the master of those slaves, those workers, comes in to settle accounts with them. Now, take a step back, take a little breath, look at it this way. What if Jesus, in this story, is the master? And he gives to those who are in his kingdom... based on their capacity, opportunities to serve him. And just like in the story, there's coming a time when Jesus will come back. And when he does, all those accounts will get settled. Now we somehow, some way in the reading of the word of God have missed the fact that there is a day of accounting. Dr. Jackson talked about it last week. We come before the throne of Christ. And there we give an account for how we have lived our lives. You say, oh, Lord, by grace. If it wasn't for grace, we wouldn't have that opportunity. <laughs> but what about how the Holy Spirit is working. Well, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit again, we would not have any opportunity to even be a part of the kingdom of God. But we are because of what God has done for us. But he says then, what I have done for you, I want you to now use for my glory. Amen. So, what would happen today? I'm not a morbid person, please, I'm not. What would, happen, what would happen if you were called by God today to give an account for how you have lived your life? Praise Lord. What would it look like? You say, well, that's not even fair. Well, yes. Well, maybe it's not fair, but it's true. There's coming a time I'm going to have to give an account for how we've lived our life to honor and glorify Him. So then it begs to ask the question, at least for me, 
then what is it that we're supposed to be doing while we're here from the moment that we came to know Christ as our personal Savior until the moment that Jesus Christ comes back or we die and we stand before him? That's going to happen. That's a reality. We prayerfully will be doing what he has created us to do. Is that not cool? That he created us, every one of us. He said, well, wait a minute. Well, why did some get five, some get two, some get one? That's his business. That's his business. Again, he created us. He knows us. He absolutely adores us. He loved us so much he gave his son for us. And now as we live this life that he has given us in him and the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to walk this out every day. So, what are you doing? There's a word for it. It was funny, yesterday I ran into another pastor in uh, Walmart, and he and I were discussing this scripture and this message, and, and mine was, what we're doing in this interim is we are stewarding, or being a steward of, or practicing stewardship of whatever it is that God's placed in our care. His comeback was, it wasn't a comeback, it was just our discussion, he goes, I like the word manager better. He said, young people, they don't understand stewardship, but they do understand management. So whichever term fits you really doesn't matter. The question is, how are we managing or stewarding what God has placed for us? And then it asks another question, at least in my mind. If that being the case, what is it that we actually own? Are you ready? Quiz time, I'm setting you up, just letting you know in advance. How many of you own your house? <clears throat> How many of you own your car? How many own your life? <laughs> this week I was listening to a message by Tony Evans. If you've never listened to Dr. Tony Evans on YouTube, I would recommend the highlight. And he's actually preaching on the same scripture, and he sets everybody up, and then he says, you know what it is? You don't own anything. You don't own anything. For example, when you die, and we all will, or be raptured, whatever the case may be, what happens to your house? If you, yeah, some of you those, those who didn't get raptured will be. <laughs> what happens to your car? Same thing, right, Rick? Okay, somebody's driving my car. Because all those things, when we think about it, including our physical life, they're all temporary. And what this parable is about is trying to see it from the eternal view in the kingdom of God. And that's what makes the difference. Should make the difference in how you and I live our lives. Well, guess what? The day of accounting is coming. The master's back, calls him in. The one who received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you've entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. What's his response? Well done, good and faithful servant, worker, whatever, slave. Whichever one works for you, I want to make sure you get it. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy. Now look at that last phrase, enter into the joy of your master's horse. What he's saying is, I am so delighted 
that you have done the work that you have done. I celebrate the fact that you are a faithful servant. You know, the, the funny thing about this parable, it nowhere says good and successful servant. It says good and faithful servant. In other words, with what God has placed in our care, whatever our capacity may be, the question is, have we been faithful in accomplishing and doing what he has given us to do? That's always the question. And we have to answer that question. You say, I don't have to answer today. And you're right. But I'm going I'm to advise you to, so you don't have to answer it another day. Enter into the joy of your master. This, man, this is wonderful. I'm so grateful that you are so faithful in your service. Next guy, two talents. Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. Again, God, this is what you gave me. I'm so grateful. Master responds, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. See, that's the other thing. Isn't it interesting that as we're faithful in what he has given us, he says, I'm just going to give you more. You know, our thing is we, we're always trying to get more, more, more. When he says, if you'll just do with what I've given you the way you should do it, then you'll be amazed at how I will give you more. Because I want you to do that. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Jesus is my master. Conversation this week with someone. That was interesting. How many people in the church today understand that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is also your Lord? And I'm going to tell you, and it was in our discussion as it is today as I present this to you. Sadly, a lot of folks in church today think, oh, I can accept him as Savior. I get my ticket to stay out of hell, and I can live whatever the heck it is I want to do, and everything's wonderful. That's a lie from hell, just in case you didn't know. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. And we bow to his Lordship. Now, how does that work? That means when we get up every day, we say, God, you're my King. You're my Lord. How do you want me to live this day? Now, you have a job, you have responsibilities, you go to work. But while you're at work, who knows how God might use you to minister to somebody's life. I'll give you a story from way back. When I was getting out of college and before graduate school, I worked as an electrician in a Exxon plant being built in Charleston. <laughs> And when I got to the job site, and some of the guys in my church helped me get the job, helped feed my family. And uh, they said, you know, every pastor who comes on the job site pretty much messes up. Because the truth is, most pastors who show up here, they're about as lazy as they can be. You're going to see how that comes out in this illustration here a little bit. And so Sheila and I were discussing it and, of course, praying about it. And I said, well, one thing I'm going to do is prove to them that this pastor's not lazy. I didn't go with, I'm going to evangelize that whole crew. Man, when I get done, they're going to all know Jesus. It was, I'm going to go and show them that here is one pastor who can work hard every day, not take away from the company, but give to the company what I should in those hours I'm working. And it was so cool what God did. That's what I did. I went to work and I worked hard. 
One guy who's team with me, one of the first things out of his mouth, I'm an atheist. He just walked up to me, I'm an atheist. The word that I was a pastor already spread. I'm an atheist. I said, okay, good to know. <laughs> and we kept working together. He was, he was really my teammate for the whole thing. But I'd be working, and some guy from another crew would say, hey, I hear you got a pastor on your crew, is that right? And all the other electricians would go, yeah, we got one, so what? <laughs> it was, you got to be there, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it was a challenge. Because as time went on, how God developed those relationships, one guy comes in and we're sitting there eating lunch, he goes, I started reading the Bible last night. I said, why'd you do that? He goes, well, if I'm going to work with you, I'm going to have something intelligent to talk about. <laughs> so we talked about the Bible. <clears throat> and that went on for the time I was there. And I still got this atheist as my partner. And so we're working, we're putting in an underground conduit, and it's muddy and messy and nasty, and we're having to have the crane to sit all this stuff down, and two of us would be down in the, in the trenches, as it were, connecting the conduit, getting it all glued up, fixed up, big racks of conduit set down. And this went on day after day. And me and this atheist down in the hole working together. And one day, the crane broke down. And it was like, you would have thought the rapture took place when I went in. <laughs> Everybody disappeared. Except me and the atheist still stuck down in the ditch. <laughs> and so I sit back. There's, there's no sense trying to keep dry and clean because you're not going to. I sit back on one side. He sits back on the other side. We're just sitting there waiting for somebody to come fix the crane. We can't do anything until they fix the crane. And he looks at me and says, I used to believe in God. I said, oh, really? Tell me about it. And sadly, the story he told me, which breaks my heart even today, was how he was hurt in church. And so he associated that hurt with God and could not believe up until then that God could still love him as he did. Now we had, I thought, Holy Spirit discussion. It was very quickly after that that I was able to leave there and, and go on to grad school. So I never got to finish that with him. But all, all I'm saying is this. When you're on the job, work. Look, at, look how this plays out. You'll see what I'm saying. I was prepping you for it. And the one who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. Now, boy, this is, this is narcissism. 2 point two I'm sorry. Of course, yeah, I didn't really get anything done. But you know what? It wasn't really my fault anyway. So he said. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground and see, here it is. In other words, he was also saying, I didn't want to bother with your stuff because I was so busy doing my stuff. And if that doesn't resonate today with the, even people who are in church, I'm so busy doing my stuff. 
I don't have time to do your stuff. Look at the master's response. This is huge. He answered and said, you wicked, lazy slave. Now, let me tell you right now. I do not want to hear from my Savior's lips at that day that I have to give an account for all that I have done and how my life has been lived. See, you've been wicked and you've been lazy. And you know who the only person in this world is that can do anything about that? It's me. For example, let's look at capacity. Well, Lord, I would have done more. Now, this is, this is Steve talking about Steve, so listen up. I would have done more if you'd just given me a bigger church. <clears throat> he knows my capacity. He knew what to give me. And I saw it the fact that he did See, isn't that kind of how we do it? That's what the servant was doing, the slave was doing. He was making excuses. Oh, I would have done more. But yet, if you notice what it says in the beginning, as you do this, I'll give you more. This is how this works. He says, so if you truly believe that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed, then the least you could have done is taken my money, put it in a bank, and draw some interest on it. Because banks then, as now, would, according to this, provide a little bit of interest. But again, it's all about, I ain't got time to give, I ain't got time to go jump. I'm gonna go bury that. Whatever it is you give me, I'm just gonna do what I wanna do and roll the dice, as it were, when it comes time to account for it. Well, this thing gets really sticky. He said, therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. I mean, he says, okay, you weren't interested in my stuff, so here's, here's the reality. It's all stripped away. For to everyone who has, more shall be given and he who will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. How's that resonating in your, I would say in your mind, but I would say in your spirit. How's that resonating in your spirit that you really want a time of day? And it's coming. You can say, well, no, I'm, I'm really young. It's coming. we will all stand before him and give him time. God is looking for those who are willing to be faithful to what he has given us. In this judgment, I know I'll tell you what, let's just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Sometimes we just have to kind of press him a little bit. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I know what the foundation. 
Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, listen carefully, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which has been built upon it remains, he shall receive that as a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. Let me tell you what. If God's going to have a bonfire for me, I want it now. Does that make sense? If there's, if there's any fire, I want it now. Lord, whatever there is in my life, wood, hay, and stubble, whatever is not of you, whatever I have not surrendered, committed, allowed you to have complete control, control over Lord, I want you today to burn it up. I want you today to remove that from me. I want you today to free me from all the junk and all the crud that I have allowed to become a part of my life that is not pleasing to you and is not according to your will. And then, God, I want to do all you have for me to do. I'm so designed with heartfelt desire to hear from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, with all that said, you heard the announcement earlier that we have the serve sheets are back in the back. And you say, well, that's just taking advantage and using the scripture to manipulate. <laughs> no, it's not. It's us being faithful to share the word as we should and to help each person realize that we're all to serve in his kingdom. And if we've chosen, and he's chosen us to be a part of this church family, then we all serve here. And notice as we went through this that it wasn't a matter of being slothful, being careless, or just trying to, you know, some, maybe I'm wrong, but I think sometimes people get these and say, you know, if I just, what's the least I can do here and get by? You know, and then, and then they won't get on my back. Well, this is not, I hope this is encouragement. Because I can tell you, I can tell you before my God today that as Sheila and I over the years, as as we came to know Christ and then as we, in, in our early marriage uh, years and serving in the kingdom and ministry, it's, it's how we grew and learned. And to this day, to, to be as blessed as we are, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing that God has done what he's done, continues to do what he's doing, and has more for us as the days come. We are blessed people. We are his kids living in his kingdom. And every one of us has opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I mentioned earlier about going to work and illustrated that from my past experience. But I can tell you now, one of the things that I appreciate when I go around and I do ask questions when I happen to be where some of you are working, how did it? I don't call you out. This is of your coworkers. 
it's if it's your bed, it's just your business. What kind of boss is she or whatever? Because the reputation of this church should be the kingdom of God reputation. That we're serving our God. And we're not doing it just to get involved. We're not doing it just because somebody's over our shoulder cracking a whip or whatever. I tried to be nice about changing the term, but these were actual slaves in the story. We were blessed that we're not that. But how good God is to let us have the freedom. And the other thing, too, if you take the employment, in most cases, when you're good at something you do, those who, who you who you work for will recognize that and reward it. I'm not saying that's always true, but it certainly can be true. Throw this worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Tony Evans got down to this. He said, "Our life really is time, talent." And this is not the measurement now. This is our ability, capacity. We can put spiritual gifts in there. Time, talent, treasure. How we do it? Again, a discussion with someone recently, we talked about when you go to make a major purchase, what do you do? Do you ask God? How many people in here, don't raise your hand, please. How many of you got married and never even asked God? How many of you changed jobs never even asked God? How many bought another house, new house, moved here or whatever, and never asked God? If he is truly our Lord, not just our Savior, then our time, which we can't reclaim, our talent, our capacity, our abilities, our gifting, which can be used mightily, and our treasure, which, yeah, you can, you can, you can up that. But all of that, we say, God, here it is. It's yours. Now show us how to use it and what to do with it. And I guess the, the interesting thing is that everybody around you is not going to understand what you're, why you're doing what you're doing. Charles Spurgeon and his wife, and those who don't know, Charles Spurgeon was an amazing pastor, Baptist pastor in England. And his wife raised chickens, and she sold eggs. And all the time that Charles Spurgeon was pastoring and his wife was raising chickens and selling eggs, they were being criticized. For why don't you give those eggs away? And just, what kind of Christians are you that you're selling those eggs? It wasn't until after their death that someone discovered her journey, her, her journal. And in the journal, it showed the sale of the eggs, how much money was made, and what missionary it went to. What'd you say? I'm gonna ask as I pray, if you would, if you feel like you're that place on this is directing you, if you would agree with me in prayer, you can say it out loud. I'll do it very slow. Father God, I choose today to truly acknowledge that Jesus, you are my Savior, and you are my Lord. And today, without 
any reservation, I give to you my life, my time, my talent, and my treasures. And I thank you, God, for how you will use me in your kingdom 